0: The first reading this morning is from Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 to 3 and 8 to 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the wind child shall put his hand on the adder's den. In that day, The Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. The word of the Lord. Psalm 139, verses 1 to 12. behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The word of the Lord.
1: Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what had been said about him. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed night and day and coming up at the very hour she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem and when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth and the child grew and became strong filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Heavenly Father, we would see Jesus. May your Holy Spirit baptize and revitalize our eyes that we may do so with increasing clarity this morning. In his name we pray, amen. Well, for those of you who know me, you realize I've borrowed somebody else's voice this morning. Um, I'm recovering from a fairly persistent cold. Uh, I did test negative for those of you who who might be worried. And uh, I'd love to keep this voice. Uh, I really, really do like it. Um, And and while I probably do feel better than I sound, uh, I would appreciate your prayers as we engage in this sacred task of the proclamation of God's Word. Well, the last day of the year is a good time to look backwards so that we might be able to look forward with greater clarity. I think our readings this morning will help us to do that. We're continuing our sermon series on the Gospel of Luke, and today we're looking at the second half of chapter 2, the story of the presentation of Jesus at the temple and, and, and of Anna, or Simeon and Anna. Uh, so if you, we're going to be looking at a fair bit of scripture today, I make no apology for that. Uh, if you have uh, the bulletin with you, if you have a Bible app, if you've got, uh, pull, the, pull the Bible out of the pew in front of you, and uh, we'll take a look at a number of things in our, in our various readings this morning. So as we look at our reading from, from the Gospel of Luke, first a couple of preliminary details about our Gospel reading. It starts with the story of the rite of purification at the temple. In the verse immediately preceding today's reading, we're told about the circumcision of Jesus on his, the eighth day after, after his birth, as was the law. Then, 40 days after his birth, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus take the trip to Jerusalem uh, for the sacrifice of purification and the presentation of Jesus to the Lord. This presentation of Jesus is because Jesus is the firstborn, and the firstborn of both human and animals in Judaism were especially dedicated to the Lord. Now, interestingly enough, uh, presentation at the temple is not a requirement of the law. Uh, But Luke was deliberately evoking the story of Samuel, who was loaned to God for his long life, taken to the temple and loaned to God by his mother. And this is to help highlight that Jesus, too, was uniquely and, and singularly dedicated to God's service and God's purposes in the world. Two significant details from these first three verses. First, Mary, Joseph and Jesus were observant, very observant Jews. Each of the childhood stories highlight that fact, his circumcision, today's story of the presentation and purification, Uh, the story when he was again in the temple at the age of 12. Of course, the age of 12 is when the bar mitzvah occurs and the individual becomes their own member of the covenantal relationship with God. Each of these stories highlight the fact that Jesus and his parents were observant Jews. Now this fact is important all by itself, and we are well served to be reminded of that periodically. Every time the church forgets about that, we are diminished, and the Jews end up in danger. So Christianity came out of Judaism, and Jesus was an observant Jew his whole life. But this also matters for our story, when we get to the Song of Simeon. The second significant detail in these verses, first verses, is what was offered for sacrifice. For the sacrifice of purification for a well-off or wealthy family, the sacrifice would be a lamb. For poor people, it was a pair of turtle doves or young pigeons. Jesus' family was poor, and that matters. And then we get to these fascinating cameo appearances by these two elderly Jews, Simeon and Anna. Of Simeon it was said that the Holy Spirit was on him, or rested on him, as other translations put it. And and it's clear that Anna fits into a similar category of the Holy Spirit being upon her in a powerful way. And this is where we want to focus for a bit. But first, a bit of backstory on the Holy Spirit, if you will. In the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit hovers or flutters or broods over all of creation. Our psalm reading, Psalm 139, says that that continues to be the the case. The Spirit is everywhere. There's no place that you can go to escape from the Spirit. Everywhere you go, The Spirit is there waiting, hovering, fluttering. A number of characters in the Old Testament were said to have a special presence and power of the Holy Spirit on them. We think of many of the prophets. Ezekiel, for example, uh, described his experience as being bodily lifted up and stood on his feet and moved from place to place by the Spirit. There was a sort of a visceral physicality to Ezekiel's experience of the Spirit. The Spirit hovered and hovers over all of creation and occasionally finds a suitable person or people upon which to land, to settle. And while there hadn't been a prophet on a national scale in Israel for such a very, very long time, there were always those who were open attentive and empowered by the Spirit and that brings us to Simeon and Anna in our story Simeon was described as righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel that phrase waiting for the consolation of Israel of Israel requires a bit of clarification uh, because it's a fairly unique phrase well let's start with the opposite. The opposite of being consoled is to be disconsolate. And Israel was a disconsolate people. Individually and as a nation, they were not who and what they were meant to be. She was not a great nation as God had promised, and she hadn't been for a very long time. And many, like Simeon and Anna, We're brokenhearted by that. If there are any of us here this morning who are disconsolate because we're not, who and what we know we were meant to be, take heart, for the Spirit is among us. So the Spirit rested on Simeon. That's a different turn of phrase than the one in Genesis, the hovering Spirit or the ever-present, the omnipresent Spirit in our psalm. The Spirit found a receptive place to settle and landed and settled right in. Now the question that immediately came to my mind was, Did the Spirit rest upon Simeon because of his character, or was his character formed because of the presence of the Spirit? And after due consideration, my response is, yes. Yes. These are mutually influencing realities, a mutually influencing process. The Spirit comes upon a person or a people, And they are moved to greater holiness. After all, it is the Holy Spirit. The holier they become, the freer the Spirit is to move. The freer the Spirit is to move, the holier they become. And this process continues on and on and on. Uh, Somebody after the 9 o'clock service said, it's the opposite of the downward spiral. The downward spiral of negativity, which can be so precipitously quick in our lives. This is the opposite. It's the lifelong upward spiral of presence, power, freedom, and holiness over and over and over again. In Simeon's case, we meet him at the end of his lifelong journey. He was righteous, devout, and waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Spirit had great authority and effect in his life. Attuned to and attentive to the Spirit... Simeon was guided very specifically to be at that place at that time for a specific purpose and the minute that he saw Jesus he knew that, that that's what he'd been waiting for his whole life Jesus was Israel's consolation a baby from a poor family not the obvious place to look for a nation's consolation yet by the discernment of the spirit Simeon knew, he knew, and he took the child and he sang, and what a song. Perhaps the most unexpected and interesting line in that song is the, to the, for this little cluster of devout Jews is the second last line, that Jesus would be a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to us. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Simeon declared that through Jesus, God's relationship was about to change and expand to all nations, to all peoples. While he had waited for Israel's consolation, when confronted with this wee baby, Simeon realized that he encountered much more than what he'd been waiting for the story and the plan were much larger than he had ever, ever imagined. And he just rolled with it. He just went with it. And that is so cool. After the song, the song of gratitude and praise and and openness to the end of his life, Simeon went on to speak prophetically to young Mary. And these were not words of comfort. While Jesus would be the consolation or salvation of of some, he would also be the reason for the downfall of others and become the target for the hostility of those same people. And nor would Mary escape unscathed. As this story played out, her soul would be pierced through with a sword. He spoke truth, boldly, without hesitation, without reservation. Uncomfortable truth, powerful truth, and I'm grateful for that example. Now the prophetess Anna's words are not recorded and that annoys me a great deal. Uh, I. I hesitate to speak with any kind of criticism of the the canonical text, but I really would like to know why we don't hear words specifically from Anna. But interestingly enough, we know more about her life than we do about Simeon's. She was a widow of the tribe of Asher. Her husband had died after just seven years of marriage. There's no record of children, and certainly that would not be her expectation of how her life would have unfolded. Uh, And not only was it, you know, sad and catastrophic, this kind of loss, but it was a matter of life and death because there was no social safety network. Without a spouse and without children, she was in a critical state as far as being able even, even to survive. Yet it's what she chose to do with her life following her catastrophic loss that make Anna's story so fascinating. She basically chose to live in the temple, worshiping, fasting, praying, and speaking prophetically. And we're reminded of verses like Psalm 8410, For a day in your courts, O Lord, is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper In the house of my God, than dwell in the tents of wickedness. She loved God and God's earthly dwelling place. How's that for a lifelong response to catastrophic loss? Amazing. And like Simeon, she too knew who and what she was looking at when she saw Jesus. And she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Jesus to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Quite possibly she too sang. Uh, The first two chapters of Luke are song after song after song. It's like a musical or something. Every time you turn around, somebody else is singing a song. So given that she spent her whole life worshiping, I'm sure she broke into song too. And I'd love to hear that song. So what are the themes we can glean from these brief, very brief vignettes about these two people? Well, first, they had abandoned themselves to God and the guidance of the Spirit. Their faith was not an addition to their lives. It was their lives. I'll say that again. Their faith was not an addition to their lives. It was their lives. Second, having learned abandonment to God and a lifelong pursuit of God and God's purposes, as they neared the end of their lives, they found themselves freely and easily guided by the Spirit. They had come to recognize the Spirit's nudge, as I call it, on where to be and what to say and when to keep silence. But remember, this is at the end of a lifelong journey, learning this learning this sensitivity and this discernment. But they started, and they ended up here. So a word of encouragement to us all. If we haven't started learning to listen to and be obedient to the Spirit, today's a perfect day to start. Third, and perhaps most importantly for us this morning, a lifelong attentiveness to the Spirit had them uniquely attuned to and focused on Jesus. That is, after all, what the Spirit does. Over and over again, it shifts our focus and attention towards Jesus. And at the end of their long lives, they recognized what they looked, they recognized what they looked and longed for, even if what they were looking at was a baby from a poor family. Not at all what they could have reasonably expected, as the consolation and salvation of a nation. So it turns out that I gave the wrong uh, reading uh, to Jay for our Isaiah reading. I won't call it a mistake because you'd hardly consider a reading from Isaiah a mistake. And, And I've done this long enough to know that there will be some people who will walk away and what they will remember is Isaiah chapter 11. What I meant to send was Isaiah 61, but Isaiah 11's amazing. So, so if, if you don't remember anything of what I've said in my James Earl Jones voice, remember Isaiah 11, you'll, you'll, go, you'll do well, you'll do very, very well. I was planning on reading this anyway because it is so powerful and beautiful, so listen along to Isaiah 61 starting in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. And the text continues on with the words, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. So the Spirit was upon the prophet to bring a message of hope to the poor, healing for the brokenheartedness, freedom for the prisoner, comfort for those who mourn, and justice for all. But you notice the focus. Who the Spirit's power and gifting are for. For the poor, the brokenhearted, the prisoner, the mourners, and the victims of injustice. At first glance, the connection between our gospel reading and and Isaiah 61 might not be so obvious, apart from that particular turn of phrase around the Spirit being upon a person. But there is a very powerful connection found in the words of Jesus himself. In the story of the last judgment, the story of the sheep and the goats, in Matthew 25, Jesus' words of judgment on the righteous are, Come you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous respond, "Uh, when did that happen? Well, we're not remembering that. We're pretty sure we would remember doing this to you, Jesus. To which Jesus replies, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my family, you did it to me. And there our readings come together so powerfully. The spirit-renewed eyes, will, and desire will see and be drawn to Jesus, not just in this house of worship, but in the person on the margins, the poor, the brokenhearted, the prisoners, the disenfranchised. Looking back over the past year, two of the themes of Little Trinity have been first, the presence, power, and gifting of the Holy Spirit among us. And second, our need to respond to God's call to social justice. And as we've processed these passages this morning, it turns out those two are two sides of the same coin. And looking forward into 2024 and beyond, as we increasingly open ourselves Both corporately and individually to the Holy Spirit, the more aware of and attuned we will be to Jesus and Jesus' purposes, the more clearly we will see Jesus in those who suffer, whatever the form of their suffering. And not only will we long for the consolation and salvation of all who suffer, but empowered and made bold by the Spirit, we will be active participants in that work of consolation and redemption. On this, the last day of 2023, as we anticipate what is to come, my prayer for you, for us, is that the Spirit would be willing to rest upon us. And may we be willing to let the Spirit do that. May we be willing to cede jurisdiction of our lives, our whole lives, to the Holy Spirit so that increasingly the lives of Simeon and Anna would be our lives and the words of the prophet become our words, that we might say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to point to Jesus and to see and serve him in all those in need. Amen.